welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. Okay, so built into the human heart is a desire for more. Psychologists throughout the years have debated what this hunger for more really is. This innate human condition, this human desire we carry around. Some might call it a whole, uh, a void, this desire to be filled. Sigmund Freud said people are hungry for love. Carl Jung said people are hungry for security. And Alfred Adler said people are hungry for significance. We know there is a deep desire, a spiritual desire built into the human heart. And I think today, consumerism has hijacked this spiritual desire. Consumerism is the longing for more, to buy and consume in order to experience something that we're missing. And this is what advertisements have done to um, use this human condition against us so that we buy more and more stuff. Consumerism is built on the idea that the more you have, actually the more you'll want. We have uh, evidence that there were products being built in the 40s, 50s, and 60s that had to be modified because they lasted too long. So we know that developers of certain products wanted to create something that wasn't cheap that you wouldn't buy it again, but you would have for long enough so that when it did wear out, you would buy it again which is what Apple does. It does not does it not. Every year, the, the new product is no longer valuable to us because the XS just came out or the 10, 10S came out. And now we need that. And is anyone else victim to this reality of consumerism? It, might, it could be shoes. I mean, we have, we have these micro seasons that have been created by uh, the fashion industry to keep us wanting more and more and more. And the more we have, the more we actually want. And the more we have, the more you want is actually the authentic cry for our souls towards God. And so the desire for more of God is essential DNA for the spiritual life. Thomas Aquinas once posed this question. What is the adequate object of the human intellect and will? That needs some translating. So in modern terms, he's saying, what would completely satisfy our every aching and longing? And his answer also needs some translation. He said, all being, everything, all that is. What will satisfy the human condition? All being, everything, all that is. We would have to know and somehow be effectively connected to everything, all that is for our restless minds and hearts to come to full peace. And so the desire put in us by God and God um, has been, the, the desire put in us by God for God has been hijacked by Apple and Adidas and sexy ads on Instagram. Would you agree? So this insatiable human desire, I'm just making a, a really, just trying to connect this, this fascinating theology we're gonna get to today. The insatiable desire can only be met by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We are longing for the presence of God in our lives. This was, according to the scriptures, we were designed to live with a deep intimacy with the creator of the universe. And to use biblical language, the New Testament language, this human condition can only be fixed by the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
And so this morning I want to talk about what, it, what the Bible means by the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so I've never actually heard a talk on this before. I've never preached on this subject. So this is our first go. Some of you have heard. But what we, questions emerged. For me, growing up, questions emerged in the Christian context about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a baptism in the Holy Spirit. What, for Christians, for the last 100 years, we've debated what actually is going on. And I want to tie this to the practical. We'll get there. But I want to give us a theology of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we're going to pray that God would pour out his Holy Spirit on us at the end of this gathering. Does this sound okay? Okay, so are you filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit when you come into belief or salvation in Jesus? Or is it a separate experience altogether? These are the questions that have been raised for the last really 100 and something years. What is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Does this happen when you are saved? Is it a separate experience? What's the evidence of it? For hundreds of years, for about 120 years, the evidence has been tongues and prophecy. Is it love? Is it power? Is it, is it transformation? What, what ha- what's the effects And what we see throughout history is that the early Methodists, the holiness movement, and the Pentecostal traditions said that the baptism in the Holy Spirit was held to be a separate and distinct event, separate from conversion. uh, Though it could occur at the same time, it was argued that it was a second work of grace. How many of you have heard this before? Okay, all 12 of us, great. All 12 of us that want to raise your hand. Martin Lloyd-Jones took a position saying, obviously distinct from, from and separate from becoming a Christian, being regenerate, having the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. I'm putting it like this. You can be a child of God and yet not be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Interesting. So I want to look at scripture and answer the question and, and kind of give you my perspective as a pastor for the local community. Does that sound good? So let's just look at these texts together and we'll go from there. So I want to just give you a rundown from a bunch of texts in the New Testament because baptism in the Holy Spirit is a phrase only used in the New Testament. Um, So if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to pull out your Bible, highlight these, or just go to your phone, the YouVersion app or whatever Bible app you prefer, and let's get to this. Matthew, we're going to go fast. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I baptize you with water, This is John talking for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Mark 1 verse 8, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It's referring to Jesus. Luke chapter 3 verse 16, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of those whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John chapter 1, verse 33, and I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. These are all the, 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 the gospels that we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, All of them from the mouth of John the Baptist say that the ministry of Jesus will be marked by the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus comes to do. John baptizes with water as a symbol of repentance, which we'll talk about. Jesus will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. It continues though, Acts chapter 1. Verse 5, for John baptized with water, but in the few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus himself speaking as the resurrected Messiah. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled. How are we doing so far? Are we good? A lot of scripture, but that's okay. We love the word. Some of us love the word. Some of us are learning to love the word. Acts chapter 11. I love this passage. This is Peter talking at the council. He's describing what's going on. And because um, he had this radical encounter at this Gentile's house, this Roman Gentile. And he says, as I began to speak, so this is so great, Peter, right, the apostle, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them, and he had come on us, um, as he came on us in the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the Spirit, uh, the same gift he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who, uh, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? So there's this progression. It's so amazing. So we see that in the Gospels, John promised, was told by the God that there would be someone who comes after him, Jesus the Messiah, whose ministry would be marked by the Holy Spirit, baptizing people in the Holy Spirit. And then we see this happen in the book of Acts. And one of the things that happens is as Peter's going on during this mission— the church is just exploding and they're trying to make sense of everything that's happening because they're filled with the presence of God and they start having to create language for their experience because it's all new. And Peter has this weird vision on top of this roof and he goes into Cornelius' house and as he's preaching, he's not even done preaching yet and the spirit falls and they start praying in tongues and prophesying. This is the story. And so Peter brings this back. And he's like, guys, they received the same spirit we received. And I remember Jesus promised this is what was going to happen. Are you with me? So this is, these are the stories. There's so many other stories. We can go to 1 Corinthians and Ephesians, which we'll get to. But I want to talk about what they're hearing, because this was written 2,000 years ago. What did a first century listener or hearer hear when they heard baptism in the Holy Spirit. So I'm just doing a lot of foundational work to get us to where I want to go. Because there's two phrases we need to pick up on, baptism and Holy Spirit, to understand what this refers to. So baptism was a very familiar word in the first century, and it had an image attached to it, a couple of images attached to it. The two in the ancient Jewish listener uh, mind would have been the idea of conversion and immersion. Conversion being that if anyone that was a Gentile wanted to become Jewish, they would have to go into the waters of baptism and be immersed under the water, similarly to the way that we do baptism today. That you, uh, it's a symbol of your uh, confession that Jesus is Lord and raised from the dead. And Paul will say it's a, it's a picture of you joining Christ on the cross with his death, going into the water, being buried with him underwater, and coming out of the water as participating in the resurrection of Jesus. That's the image for the Christians around baptism. But the word itself, um, uh, so real quick, so John the Baptist immerses individuals in water. So baptism means, in the Greek, to dip Immerse, wash, plunge, sink, overwhelm, or soak. Are you with me? So that's the phrase. That's what we need to think about. And it, the, the other image connected to it with immersion is this is what happens when you take a piece of dye or p t take a piece of cloth, cloth, one of those words, cloth, and dip it into dye. 
That's the image we have of what, that's what the phrase baptism would mean in the first century, that something is dyed a different color and its uh, nature is changed by that act of baptism. So the writers of the gospel see the ministry of Jesus as one where he, Jesus, will immerse, dip, wash, plunge, sink, drench, overwhelm, soak believers in the spirit of God. Jesus will plunge believers into the spirit of God and they will be transformed. And the other phrase is the Holy Spirit, which we've been talking about for the last several weeks, who we have to remember is not a power. It's not an it. Holy Spirit is a person. It's one of the members of the Trinity. And we um, need to have a Trinitarian theology as a church, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Jesus' ministry of baptizing people in the Spirit is to immerse them into the third member of the Trinity. Are you with me? Now that's really complex, so it's okay if you don't get it. In a few moments, I'm going to illustrate it um, using um, my son's toys because I thought, how do I teach this to a five-year-old or a four-year-old? And that's what I'm trying to do this morning. And it, we'll see if it works for you guys. If not, it's totally fine. We'll get there in a second. So in the New Testament... Baptism is always in the Spirit and never of the Spirit. And this is really important to understand. Nor is it a noun, the baptism of the Spirit, but it's always a verb, being baptized in the Spirit. That's how the the Greek language is written in the New Testament. So throughout Scripture, the Spirit's baptizing is described synonymously with the Spirit's promising, clothing, empowering, pouring out, receiving, filling, and gifting. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the indwelling, empowering, clothing, outpouring, and filling of a, of a believer with the presence of God. That's the working definition that I have this morning for you. Perfect timing. Thank you for that. Um, so Paul says, as his body, his church, that we are to be filled with the fullness of Christ. Ephesians chapter 1. We are we are, uh, we are filled with the fullness of Christ. And this is, I think, what he's getting at theologically. But he also prays that we may be filled with the fullness of Christ. So he says, you have been filled as followers of Jesus, as the church. You have been filled with the fullness of Christ. Then he prays that you may be filled with the fullness of Christ. And then he says in Ephesians 5, be filled with the Spirit. How confusing is that? Is it confusing to you? Am I the only one interested in this stuff? Real quick, I'm just curious. You're like, okay, you got, I got one other, amen, hallelujah, okay. Now, there are some other things that I wanted to teach on, and I felt really, um, this week, actually, uh, I felt like we needed to talk about baptism in the Holy Spirit, because we've never talked about it, and it's just, it was a subject as I was preparing, I'm like, we missed this, we need to do this, so I changed the, 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 the series. And I called Dave, who's the pastor of Reality San Francisco. He's doing the same series as us. I said, hey, I'm going to change up the, the, what we're doing. I'm going to do this. And he says, that's so funny. I'm doing the same talk this week as well. So right now, our brothers and sisters in San Francisco are hearing a similar talk on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to know what it means for us to be filled or baptized in the presence of God. So I really need you to come with me on this journey, okay? So um, Paul in Ephesians 5, go there. I want to I show you this text because we've talked about it in Ephesians, but it's really important because I, I think what Paul's getting at is probably more practical and helpful for mo- many of us when we talk about this because this language 
can be really semantic. It's, it's really semantics about the definition of the baptism of the Spirit. But we'll get there in a second practically. So Ephesians 5, verse 18. Paul's writing kind of the last, next two chapters in the, the letter of Ephesians um, to really help the church along in Ephesus. Now remember, Ephesus is kind of the epicenter for Artemis worship. It was overly sexualized. It was the trade capital uh, for Asia. It had the largest banking system outside of Rome. It was the second largest city. It was a very influential city. So culture, massive influence, Roman city. Um, and he says to the, the church, remember these are followers of Jesus, okay? Ready for this line? Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, seeing and make music from the heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul uses this interesting verb, go, going on being filled with the Spirit. So when he says be filled, it's to keep on continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jack Hayford once said, all the fullness of God speaks of more than one experience or one aspect of his truth. Or power. It points to a broad spirituality balanced through participating in all God's blessings, resources, and wisdoms. So when we talk about is it a one time event or is it ongoing, I think we have to recognize that it's both. <laughs> it, it's, so is, is it this or this? Yes. <laughs> And that's what I think we have to wrestle with in our, in our understanding. I want to talk through my personal experience. We know that we're filled with the Spirit when we're saved, but there's also more. And the question really about being baptized is, do you want more of God in your life? Do you want to be more of who God intended you to be in your life? Or less, which we'll get to in a moment. So, one other quick quote from Simon Ponsonby. He says, when the Bible speaks of being filled with the Holy Spirit, it is saying that one is consumed, taken over, impregnated, saturated, complete, and replete with God's presence and power. To be filled with the Holy Spirit leaves no room to be filled with anything else. So Ephesians and Paul makes this case that the indwelling, filling, baptism of the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit is an ongoing experience. But it's in contrast to this other th idea, and that is being drunk on wine. Isn't it interesting? Now, so stay with me for a second, because I, I, I think this is part of what Paul's getting after. So in the first century, in Roman culture, um, Christians that became... Christian and showed up to a party or gathering where there was alcohol had no concept of moderation. Okay, so I, it's so hard for an, us to understand this because we're Christian or some of us have been Christian or there's like kind of like sober, a sense of tolerance and sobriety in our culture. Like you can't drive drunk, you shouldn't drive drunk. Um, uh, and all of us, most of us have been to parties where, you know, it gets out of line and stuff like that. But even in our culture, there's kind of like a standard of it's not appropriate to do that. But in first century context, they had no regard for that. There, it was called a symposium or drinking party, where if you showed up to a party, all you would do 
was drink until you were wasted and throw up, eating food, drinking, over-consuming, and then you would throw up and then drink more. And it would go on for days. This is Roman culture. So now, so this is going on in Corinth. It's going on in Rome. It's going on in Ephesus. So this was the cultural landscape. That's why Paul will say in Corinthians, hey guys, when you're taking communion, don't get drunk off communion wine. It wasn't like a little cracker and some juice. It was, oh, we showed up to a house and this is what we did before we were Christian. And Paul's teaching them how to now be Christian. Are you with me? And he's, he's using this as the backdrop. Look, this is how culture is shaping you. Don't be under the influence of alcohol. Rather, be under the influence of the presence of God. And we're like, okay, I get that. He might say today, don't be under the influence of edibles and weed and marijuana, medicinal, whatever it is. But, be, but this is a real issue that we have to face today because it's become legal but what is the standard as Christians? I was talking to pastors in the city about this. Like, what's the standard of operating when something's legalized as followers of Jesus? We can't allow the politics to shape our view of what it means to live the character of Christ out. Right? We allow the morality of Christ and the nature of God to influence how we interact in the world. This is what Paul is getting at. He might go further in our culture and say, guys, don't be under the narrative of all the, the news in the world that is shaping how we think. Don't be under the influence of CNN, Fox News, or whatever it is, NPR, all of your podcasts. Rather be filled and under the influence of the Spirit of God. Don't be consumed with consumerism. Don't find meaning and purpose and value from the insatiable desire for more stuff. Rather be consumed with the presence and indwelling of, the, of God in your life. Do you see? That baptism of the Holy Spirit is counterformational to culture and its influence on followers of Jesus. There is a direct cultural moment happening right now where I think what God's after is actually the church is filled with everything else but my presence. We're filled with models and programs and cool pictures of sexy pastors that are stronger than Darren or whatever it is. I don't know why it went to sexy pastors stronger than Darren. I, I just ran a marathon, so I'm feeling good. Just, just kidding. But that's, that's what's going on. I think we have to recognize that we're being shaped by culture. And Paul, I think, has this other thing to be consumed with the presence of God. Um, so I, I, had, I, I had another quote, but I want to illustrate this and talk about a personal story, and then we're going to pray. Um, so in my understanding, I want to give you some theology through illustration. So I believe as we approach mystery box number one, um, so I was thinking about how I view, and reading the, the different views of theology out there, um, God's presence as the baptizer, okay? So oftentimes, when we, what we don't realize is that your view of God shapes how you interact in the world. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about identity, and I was saying, look, we are sitting with this inheritance that we have access to here and now, but most of us aren't living in that reality, and that's shaped by our view of self and God. 
Does that make sense? So what we have to know is as Christians, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is essential for everyday life. It's how we interact with the world. But most of us don't carry an accurate theology of what that actually looks like. So I want to give you some childish illustrations. Okay, so here's illustration number one. So my view, this is what God comes to do. He, this is a Lego toy for my son. So this might not work, and I'm testing it now for the first time. But this, there's a particular view out there that says God is the great gift giver, and ultimately his presence comes to transform us from death to life, to convict us of sin, and, um, and, as, and as far as the Spirit goes, he gives us gifts, but most of it is this detached view of God. So God comes to, to give us, you know, a wife. And so we add that to our life. And that's a good gift from God. Are you with me so far? So he just adds that. And then eventually, you know, he gives us more bread or better income. And so God, thank you, God, for all of your gifts in our lives. It's really a secular view. And then he adds kids to our life. So there's the kids. So God, God is the one here giving us the dreams of our life, essentially. And as far as the charismatic stuff goes, he's not really doing anything other than convicting us of sin and teaching us Bible verses. And of course, he's, he's keeping us from the enemy, right? So the enemy's high. That's the joker, if you can't see it. Um, <laughs> and he's just adding stuff to our life. And one of our kid falls, but he, he, he may or may not heal him. It's his will. So that's one view. <laughs> And I was explaining this to Ezra, my, my four-year-old. So we were working on this. And so that's, that's a particular view where God is like the God in the box, saves us, and then he blesses us as we go, right? And, but then you might come to another view of God, which is um, the Holy Spirit comes to fill us. So this is the view I've carried most of my life, is that this is God and this is us, um, and what he comes to do, let's just see if this illustration works, is, uh, is we're, we're surrounded in culture. And so this is the, the culture influence. And so God comes and we're full of all sorts of stuff. And God comes and fills us and that culture spills out. And there's still a little bit in there. Are you with me on this? That his spirit comes and we want to be filled. So we're filled. We're still there, but then we go back to work on Monday, and we come out, you know, and we saw that movie, and then, and then we come to church, and he still fills us, and that's kind of, we leak, so that's kind of the image I have, right? So there's a maximum capacity of being filled, so that's one perspective. Are you with me on that? That's how I've always viewed being filled with the Holy Spirit, but then I realized it's more like this. This is us, and this is the infinite ocean of the Holy Spirit. And to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is basically to live like this from this point forward. Oh gosh, don't get hurt. And what you have to see is that we were once in culture, but God comes and he fills us. And can you see the cup in here? Okay, good. Because <laughs> Paul's favorite phrase to describe followers of Jesus is in Christ. He says in Colossians 3, your life is hidden in Christ. What I think we have to see, don't fall, Darren, don't fall, is, is that it's not so much God filling us this way. I think this is working. I think this is good. But it's more like God filling us this way. And to be baptized in the Spirit is to go on living in the Spirit. Now, 
remember like in January of last year, we did a talk on how we change. And I talked about the primary environment for non-intentional spiritual formation is culture. And culture becomes the, the stream of which we are influenced. So everything, our view of technology, our, our media, everything, it influences us. But when we, we come into intentional spiritual formation, the Holy Spirit becomes the environment for transformation and life. So we, as followers, we don't just get filled a little bit. We jump into the ocean of infinity who is the presence of God. And he wants us to live in a God-bathed reality. Mar- Matthew 28 says, baptize people in the Trinitarian reality. Immerse them, soak them, saturate them wholly in the infinite ocean of God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then teach them to obey everything I've commanded. I'm with you always. You're gonna make disciples of the nations. How? Not because you got a little sip of the spirit once in a while not because you pick and choose the gifts you desire but because you say more lord and he throws you into the ocean of his loving presence and he teaches you how to live all over again baptism in the holy spirit this is what is that good should i use that illustration for the second service okay good i'm gonna do it either way because i liked it anytime i can use legos like in I didn't have any Star Wars Legos off, uh, so I would have done that, but it's fine, it's fine. There it is. My story goes like this. I was saved, I was a Christian most of my life. I left the faith, even though I really didn't, and I came back. Um, and, and I worked at a church. I started, I graduated, became a, pa- uh, a pastor, worked at a church, and then I went to London. I believed in the spirit. I believed in the charismatic gifts. I had one in- interesting encounter uh, it had to do with tongues, um, which had nothing to do with the church service. And when we talk about the gift of tongues in a couple of weeks, we'll talk about that. I'll share my story. Um, but other than that, there was not really a powerful encounter until I went to London and someone prayed for me and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. That was, that was a dramatic personal experience where the next day I heard God say, plant a church in Long Beach. And a year later, my wife and I started a missional community and moved here. And nine years ago this week, actually, we're nine years old. We have a church that is the result of the baptism in the Holy Spirit that one person had. Obviously, it's not just the result of me, but hundreds and hundreds of people have had joining us on this journey. But it started with the indwelling of the presence of the Holy Spirit in a very powerful way. It also happened in 2010 uh, where I was in Northern Ireland and this, in this office, this one random guy prayed this prophetic word and it opened my heart and I was on the floor weeping for 30 minutes. It happened in 2015 when I was in India with our garden church and I went to a leper colony where there were men and women worshiping God with disfigured faces and le- they were worshiping God without fingers and noses and the, the compassion of Jesus gripped me and I wept for 45 minutes and as we were driving back, I had a vision of Jesus in my heart and mind and I was experiencing the powerful, ambushing love of God and the indwelling and baptism in the Holy Spirit then. And then just recently when I was in Northern Ireland, I was preaching a service. I led the Sunday night service after preaching all week and some random person came to pray for me. It was, I was exhausted and tired. Next thing I know, I'm on the floor and I don't go on the floor. I do not prefer that. I wanna have it together. 
You can come in my heart, Jesus. I can experience you intellectually, but I don't want to end up on the floor. I could not get off the floor. I, I, I was finally carried by my friends to the car. I was drunk on the Holy Spirit. That is the only language I can use because that is the closest thing that I've experienced to the experience in the Holy Spirit. So my personal experience has been I was saved filled with the Spirit, but I also have been getting wrecked by the Holy Spirit throughout my life. So what do you want? Do you want one experience or lots of experiences? I want lots of experiences. Now, those are not the goal. The goal isn't warm fuzzies or falling over. The goal is the reconciliation and renewal of all things, which is where we go next week. Because if we don't become people of the presence, we won't become the people we are intended to be everywhere we go. That's why you have to be filled before you begin to pour it out. And it can be as you go. That's the point. And the problem with so many of the Christian charismatic movements is they make the point of, the, of everything, the gathering experience. That cannot be. The point is the cr- new creation that we're building here and now. The point is in Long Beach as it is in heaven, not in this little sanctuary as it is in heaven. Although that's cool once in a while. And we want it, but we want it to go out. Are you with me? Um. Charles Finney, I've used this, I love it. He's, this is a quote from a young lawyer named Charles Finney, the outstanding evangelist of the early 19th century, spoke of the experience of God by the Holy Spirit that catapulted him into ministry. As he sat at the office desk, the Holy Spirit descended on him. So he's in his office, and he says, waves and waves of liquid love, he wrote. No words can express that wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love. I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushings of my heart. I've seen this happen. John, Pastor John, got prayer at our first Empower conference in my apartment, and he bellowed out uncontrollably in hysterical weeping and crying, God, there's so much love, there's so much love, and spoken tongues in our apartment floor, rolling around. It was the most, it was the craziest thing I've ever experienced, and it utterly transformed his life. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some of you have had that experience here. Some of you have had it on planes. Some of you had it in YWAMs. It's, it's happening. We want to be people that create space for those encounters. The goal isn't the encounter. The goal is a transformed life. Can't emphasize this enough. Can I share one more story? I love this one. No? Yeah? Okay. Thank you. Thank you for the permission. (laughs) Billy Graham. I love this story. You know who Billy Graham was? You sure? Okay. So he he goes and spends some time with a guy named Stephen Olford. And listen to this. This, I'm going to read this story. After the first day the two of them spent together in the Bible, Billy preached to a small crowd. According to Olford, Billy's preaching was ordinary and not the Welsh kind of preaching. And at the end of the sermon, Billy gave an invitation, but the response was not particularly great at all. The next day, the two of them met together again. Having spent the morning talking in the afternoon, the two men came before the Lord and entered into his presence, worshiping him and praying to him. Billy began fully to express the deep desire of his heart to serve God to the full and be, uh, to the full and be completely given over to him. Olford said that at that point, all heaven broke loose. And in the dreary little room, it was like Jacob laying hold of God and crying, Lord, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. When they paused from praying for a while, Billy said to Olford, my heart is so flooded with the Holy Spirit 
They were so overcome with joy. They laughed together and they wept. Billy began walking back and forth shouting, I have it, I'm filled, I'm filled. This is the turning point of my life. This will revolutionize my ministry. That night, Graham was due to speak at a large Baptist chapel nearby. It was probably Tabernacle Welsh Baptist Chapel. Olford wrote this. When he rose to preach, he was a man absolutely anointed. His impact on the Welsh congregation was startling. The people came to the front even before Billy had given an invitation. Later, when the invitation was given, Olford wrote, the Welsh listeners jammed the aisles. There was chaos. Practically the entire audience came rushing forward. According to Olford, Graham preached the same exact sermon at both services. So the question I have for you is do you want more of God? Do you want more of him in your life, the person of God, the presence of God, the creative, dynamic, empowering presence who comes to fill you uniquely as you are, not to give you a Billy Graham experience, not to give you a Darren Roundson experience or John Rosina, but your unique experience to be filled with the fullness of God. Do you want more of God in your life? Do you want more of the presence of God in your life? Because the presence of God is what will craft you and shape you to be who you were intended to be. So you can, you can cease striving to be anything else, to fill that void once and for all, so you don't have to hunger for love out in sexual relationships, in buying stuff, Improving your value and worth. Let God fill the thing that only God can fill and immerse you into his reality so that you can be useful for his kingdom building. Do you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you want to be baptized? Maybe for the first time. Do you want to be baptized? Maybe for the 70th time. Do you want more of God? Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.